Well, here's here's what I was thinking. All right, so let me know if you and I, I had a bit of a play with this. So let me know what you think. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Luke Gamble. I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris. He works for a big wine company, and together we are Luke Times Two. We talk about all things wine and booze, popular culture, and everything in between. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hi, hi Luke. I think. I think that sounds like we're dating. Luke's Times 2 <laughs> is a very sort of booking romantic meal at a at a nice well, restaurant. Or maybe just, I don't know, where, where would you take me on a date, Campbell? Oh, where would I take you? I'd, I'd have to take you to an RSL so we could take a cross <laughs> difference. We could, have, we could have great food, traditional food. We could have beer or wine, Luke Morris. Mate. I, I, what kind of RSLs are you going to? Because mine is still stuck in the <laughs> lamb's fry days. What's the matter with lamb fries? Lamb fry and a glass of Merlot. How would that be? Food and wine matching it. It's great. Oh, lamb's fry <laughs> and a glass of Merlot. Did, is that ever a thing? Well, I don't know. What What would you pair with a glass of lamb's fry? Oh, mate. It, the traditional VB sounds like what you'd be getting at the RSL. <laughs> It's funny you should say that. My father, he would drink VB and anything, but lamb's fry and VB was one of his favourite take-homes. He loved it. And there you go. See, we are already expressing the fact that we have in-depth knowledge of uh, food and wine, wine culture. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, well, if we couldn't call it Luke Times 2, and we can't call it Luke's, Luke Squared, and we can't call it Luke's Wine, I agree with you. I think because there's two of us, it's got to be... Um, Luke's Wine is fine. Luke's, Luke's, Luke's Wine, I think, yeah, it's good Luke's, as any. Luke's Wine. I mean, it does, it does open up the avenue that if one of us leaves the podcast, the other one can still just carry on with the, with the brand and just move an apostrophe into the uh, correct position. Very true, <laughs> very true. For those of us grammatically challenged or uh, into the uh, schematics of literature. Yes, the schematics of literature. Um, what has been floating around in your wine world this week? Yeah, well, it's a great question you ask, actually. There's been everything, uh, but something that stood out, and it's something that doesn't bob up often, but something that did stand out for me was sherry. Fortified Ooh. wines, yeah. you know, at the, at the back at the at the back end of, of winter, coming into spring, you know, we, we we leave the land of those rich, dark fortifieds, and sherry starts to rear its head. You know, from Jerez in Spain, made, generally made from Palomino, whether it's a, a lighter style Fino, you know, all those heavier Oloroso styles, but at this time of year, they tend to rear their head in springtime and, and yeah it's just you know there's a few few wine offers and a few samples floating around but sherry have you had much to do with sherry or, you know. not not much not, not i remember back in the day just getting loving a little uh i want to say grenade of um uh sherry i want to say manzanilla is it manzanilla that yes the, yep a little grenade yep. of that and uh having that next with some uh uh, like a tapas kind of thing, just just a, a light cured fish or something. Or, or, uh, 
Well, I mean, we we don't we don't. Sherry is kind of one of those, you know, old lady or old man. Drinks, I guess it is. Yeah, it's it's not in vogue. I mean, um, probably that's more of the thing. It's top top rated man's in it is Sherry, right? You know, it's all fresh and salty, and then Fino from the actual inner region gets quite aromatic and can be can be still quite dry. But as as an aperitif, as opposed to a gin and tonic or, or a beer or. A, you know, could be a great way to start. But uh, yeah, so Sherry popped up this week and I thought, yeah, well, geez, I should look into a bit of Sherry because they're light. Although they're, you know, extremely alcoholic as an aperitif, they're light in flavour and just fresh and just leaves your palate wanting more. Um, and Bring you're right, back, you know, like, I say. This is one yeah, of those well, retro things that kids get onto, you know, like they've all got their mullets and they're getting into tattoos like the old sailors used to wear why don't they get into sherry make it make well, it, it. own, own could, history once again maybe we could bring it back uh there's certainly plenty of it around and there is more and more coming into the country maybe we could bring it back <laughs> it sounds like there's there needs to be someone drinking it if there's more and more coming yes no well i, I think you know people people are getting into the whiskey you know the youth are getting into whiskey at an alarming rate at all ages um and single malts at that whether whether it's you know grown in, whether it's made in tasmania or whether it's grown in you know asia it doesn't necessarily have to be scotland there are yeah. great single malt whiskies and people in their youth are adopting it it's not just for old man in chesterfield anymore like they're moving on to whiskey so why not sherry bring sherry back i think do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into a segue there because you mentioned um, whiskey from not just Scotland but through Asia, one of the big countries for whiskey, and I know they drink a lot of it, but they also produce some lovely stuff. Can you name that country? That would be Japan. That is Japan. I happen to speak to uh, our good friend Mick Nippard today. Oh yes. And Mick, Mick, how's he going? He, he's doing really well. Um, he's Excellent. he's he's doing very well as much as someone who uh, is in lockdown. And I found it very interesting chatting to him because we had a chat about um, wine international sales and his growth of the Japanese market for Australian and New Zealand wine and where he sits. And he was talking about the difference between what I do, which is sell a lot to ind- individual customers, and what he does. Because in Japan, it's not really a culture of buying a dozen bottles to age at home or to drink over a m- couple of months or a week, depending on who you are. It's very much an on-premise, go-to-events, go-to-a-restaurant-drink wine culture. Oh, yes. So, so share it and be seen to share it. It is. It, it, yes, very much a, a, a social sort of thing. If, if people are going to buy something to drink at home, they'll, they'll drink buying the, the, the cheaper bottles individually off a, off a, in a supermarket. But also, a point that he made, it's, it's slightly cultural but also space-wise because not a lot of people have space at home to store. And would you think it would be a, a cultural thing? Like here in Australia, like drinking is indebted in our culture. But if you went to France, and sounds like Japan as well, drinking is, it's not a culture, but it's part of the culture. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was interesting the way he described the fact that um, alcohol was very readily available. You could go to 
um, uh, what do you call food dispensing machine, like a uh, machine where you just put coins in and out comes beer, effectively. Can yep. of beer. You can yeah. Vending machine. You can go to a vending, vending machine, machine and yep. buy beer. You can get uh, whiskey, like bottles of whiskey for ten, the equivalent of $10 in, in Australia. Um, readily available. Available 24-7. Very lax laws on who can stock it and who can sell it. But at the same time, very low, um, uh, not many bounces, not bounces at pubs or in any events. They go to wine tastings and events and they don't need to have security limits on the number of people turning up. It's because if somebody's getting drunk, A, there's a very high culture of, you know, be respectful at all times, you know, look after yourself and other people. There's no... Um, there's a very low culture of, you know, being aggressive. And if you see your mate getting a bit drunk, usually people are social, they're together, and they say, hey, mate, maybe it's time to have a, a break. And they do. There's not yeah, right. a punchy-on scenario of I have to be able to drink more than you and if I'm feeling a bit, you know, off the chops, you can't tell me. It's a, the, the, the Hulk complex, as I like to call it. Ah, the Hulk complex. Yeah, everybody has a few drinks in Australia and they, they don't seem to be, or they don't necessarily want to, but they have to, for some reason, turn into the, the, the Hulk and be bigger than the next person. It's, it's kind of, I think it really is a cultural thing. And it's, it's culture that has been instilled you know, from whether whether it was dad to son, get me a beer from the fridge, or whether it was, you know, whether it was family or whether it was social at a, at a football club or a sporting club or whatever. Whereas, yeah, at, at, by the sounds of it, in Japan or, or in France, it's only ever with a meal. If you're social, it's, you're not standing around with a can of beer. If you're social, you might be standing, in France particularly, might be standing around with a football or... so. It's, and in Japan, it sounds like they're pulling each other up, where here is in Australia, we're egging people on. So it's a cultural thing. Do the bong, do the bong, do the bong, that sort of yeah. skull, skull, yes. skull. I, yes. I, I remember many a wine dinner with you and, uh, uh, and associate friends from uh, across the years. And yes. I've often been staggered at the amount of bottles that we can litter on the table. But at the same time, looking back at the whole scenario, thinking, I don't remember us ever really getting out of hand. And and there's never been a, a, a scenario with someone who's come along and has had to drive later or, or stop drinking, had any pressure placed on them. For, there's no scrutiny over whether you finish that glass or not. No, well, but that might come... With being industry professionals, that might become with uh, being used to being around alcohol. I don't know about you, but I mean, I was always around. I was never allowed to drink, mind you, but I was always around alcohol. I was always allowed to have a taste. Um, was it the same for you? No, no. My, my family, yep. uh, my parents are basically teetotalers. But yep. uh, uh, through uh, just being a teenager needing work and Work was available. That's how I sort of entered through the wine industry, particularly through vineyards and things like that, where I was growing up. Uh, yes. 
Well, that, that was the same as me. So that was my first inclination. I had to get a job and some people went out and got a, a, a paper route or, you know, they went out and washed cars. Or, or we, I grew up in the vineyard, so we went and, you know, crushed grapes, picked grapes. And But there was always a wine at the end of the day. Even as a teenager, you know, 15, 16-year-old, there might have been a long lunch or like a, a, gra- a grazing platter. You could all, you were never allowed to drink it, mind you, but you were always allowed to taste. There might have been a taste of this or a taste of that. Um, you know, by the time I turned 18, yeah. I well and truly knew the taste of wine. Uh, you know, and I, I, I did it have I, a fixation for you then? Was it? I, I often wonder about this idea of it being that forbidden fruit that you hold back on until you're 18, and then people lose their bananas on it. I wasn't fix. I was fixated by the history of wine and the fact yeah. that it could that glass could tell a story, and that's probably a conversation for another another time. Yeah. As far as fixated, I might have been fixated on, you know, the social aspect of it. But you know, like like any eighteen year old, you know, we had bad nights out on tequila or shared too many <laughs> bourbons, and and that, both of those things for me, I do not drink anymore. Like I just. They just, they just turn my stomach. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure everybody, even the listeners, will have. If there is any listeners, will even have a, a you know a bad story, whether it might be vodka or tequila or tuwaka for that matter. But everybody will have a a, a story, as I'm, as I'm sure you do, Luke. But yeah, was I fixated on it? I don't think so. I think that's an interesting point that you that you pick up on, um, and that's one of the things that the, the thing that interests me mostly with wine is that history element and the and the story that it tells. And that was something Mick, when he was talking about selling wine into Japan for the first time, he had to, he didn't have to, but he did realise that his strength was finding a niche and finding wines that he had an associated association with and wineries who were his friends and people who he knew and he could tell the story of. And that's what could captivate these people. He could be a white guy from from Australia coming to Japan, speaking excellent Japanese, who was and yes, he's fluent Japanese, Japanese. The Japanese people being accepting of him being there, but how? Why would they accept the wines? It's because there was a story and a and a reason and, and an interest behind them that he could convey beautifully. Yes, and, and I think that's that's sort of what's interesting to me is that history and the and the stories and the. And this, and not the evolving nature of wine is interesting in terms of shallowing it and drinking it in the future. But the the past is so intriguing as well. Well, you don't even have to look any further than you know Australia and you know the great. Geez, you could trek back through time, whether it be the great big brands or even the, the small brands. You know, and I'm sure you and I could both pick out pick out a handful of them. The, the history. It's in the detail, isn't it? It's um, and, and the history of the land, the history of the you know. You could look at the German families in the Adelaide Hills oh, yeah. and the and the Barossa. You could look at you yep. know the the families of, of Rutherglen and up there in northern Victoria. You could look at the influence from the first settlers to the Hunter Valley. The, the, the history is there. We don't have to look outside of Australia for that. It is well when you talk about the world of wine. Where's the world of wine converged? most arguably in Australia. Um, yes. 
uh, I, I, and there's going to be plenty of arguments for other countries, and we'll, we can cross over those over, over the um, course of our series. That could be listener feedback. Um, yes. If, if there's someone out there who, disagree, who disagrees and wants to throw forward another country, but when you've got, you know, as we alluded to, the, the Italian settlers in um, King Valley and the, the, the German settlers throughout um, uh, yeah, South Australia, Australia and, and there's strong Bordeaux influence coming through into um, uh, the Margaret River, particularly because of John Gladstone's influence over there and, and the, and the yep. learning over there. And um, What would you describe the hunter background being well the, the, the hunt the hunter is all of you know all about the, the first settlers and it was all about necessity luke it was all planted you know they, they planted well shiraz it was as that had been the botanist james busby has then had then called it he misspelled it other than Shiraz. he'd spelt it spelt it shiraz and it was all planted there out of necessity because they had to get out Look for the promised land, as so it was called, and find grazing land, find land that they could put crops in, and also grapes. Initially, it was grapes to eat, but then it was grapes to ferment, you know. Um, and there were some great winemakers that followed. But the history was from the first settlers, really, Luke. That's interesting because that then leads on to the empire wines that came through, particularly in Rutherglen, I think, is where all the fortified production started out from there. Yes, yeah. and it, it all the 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 wine regions and the history and the grapes and the grains it, it all traces back those early well the early settlements of 1788 obviously but the governor of New South Wales Arthur Phillip he, he sent them out you know like and to, to find where they could plant and what they could do and so and that's when the story brings I mean we're going way back now but um, that's where the story begins and there was a few small plantings here and there was a few small plantings there i mean who knew we were going to become one of the top six wine producers in the world today but you know that's not what at the time that's not what they were resolved it was all planted out of necessity really look i think that's a great introduction to this because we've talked about a bit of the history and a, and our own introductions into wine and, and intrigues I think we can yeah. carry on. We can do another episode. And we haven't even touched any of the topics that we were actually going to talk about yet. So <laughs> no, that, that's exactly <laughs> right. And there were, there, were several, there were several topics you wanted to touch on. What were those topics? Nah, stuff them. They, they if somebody wants to find out what they are, they have to cu- listen into another episode. Fair Let's do enough. that. Good point. Good um, point. Done. I think we'll – I might package this up and I'll put um, uh, how to contact us thing on the end of this but for now i'm gonna i'm gonna go and do some other work so i'm gonna chat to you soon campbell thanks mate no worries mate awesome good one catch you mate hi my name's luke and i'm one of the two lukes on luke's talk wine if you would like to contact us email luke's talk wine at gmail.com I'll probably get something better than Gmail one day. Hopefully soon. But for now, to support the podcast, email there and then say, how can I support the podcast? Or ask a question. 
And if you don't do either of those things, just listen to next week when things will be more professional. Okay, thanks. Bye.